Dee's God Talk. Today we have a very special guest, my uncle, uh, Uncle Dee. Uh, my uncle Donnie is here with me today, and we're going to be talking about a very important subject that um, really uh, is important to Christian life. Today we're going to be talking about the very basic um, salvation. So uh, we'll briefly give uh, Uncle Donnie the uh, moment to uh, say hey to everybody. Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of and, course. And uh, it's a pleasure to have everybody here listening. Yes. So, well, we'll jump right in. First, we're going to ask a very basic question um, because we're expecting, hopefully, that some people that don't know anything about church or religious terminology to be here. And so we want to know, based, uh, off the top of your head, what is salvation? So based upon what you said, you mean we want to be able to explain some of this church talk that yes. these Christians have? Yes. Okay. So yeah, one of the key buzzwords is this idea, salvation. And sometimes people are wondering, like, what on earth is that? <clears throat> and really what it is, is the fact that as human beings, we've incurred a huge debt yeah. to a holy and righteous God. Of course. Um, it, that word that we call to describe that debt is sin, yeah. which is basically uh, violating God's law and doing things that are contrary. Uh, there's an argument that goes on in the world whether or not man's inherently good or inherently evil. Uh -huh. And I say anybody that's ever had children of their own will answer that question real quickly. Man is inherently evil. <laughs> kids, I can imagine. Kids don't have to be taught to lie to protect themselves. True, true. Very simple things like that. Um, so... I am a person that does ascribe to belief that man is inherently evil. They will do things that are for self-preservation. Yeah. So that being said, um, salvation is this idea and concept. It's a word that it means that when folks sin, mm -hmm. it puts them at direct odds with God because they violated him and rejected him, essentially, in his ways. And so that creates a debt. And so for them to have that debt paid is to be forgiven to be delivered from that debt. Yeah. Um, and the Bible teaches that that debt is something that none of us could pay ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought on the most controversial name ever mentioned in man's mouth, and that being Jesus Christ. The Christian believes and teaches that Jesus was the payment for that sin, uh, accepting his gift and believing in his atonement which is one of those another key buzzwords yeah. <laughs> that we church folks use. And the atonement just means you paid it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you racked up a huge debt. Maybe you were gambling, maybe you're driving, getting all these tickets, whatever. Mm -hmm. you did it, wrecked your car, did all this damage, and you couldn't pay it. Billions of dollars. You'll yeah. never make it in your lifetime. True. And especially in this economy. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Even with them making money, <laughs> printing it like crazy. But it's the equivalent of having somebody who loved you enough that had all the billions and trillions and gazillions of dollars and they step up and say hey i'll pay that for you and you would look at them and why yeah and they just simply say because i love you and that's it you think they're crazy yeah well it's hard for people to accept that idea and that concept because in the world nobody does that nobody just comes up and says let me take care of that for you yeah you know they might here or there, you throw a buck or two or five dollars out the window when you're feeling really guilty. 
uh, and you want to make yourself feel better, you throw five bucks, shoot five dollars to the homeless person out on the street. Sure. Uh, but nobody's dropping thousands out there. Definitely not. <laughs> you know, um, and then you think about it, it's you know, it's just hard for people to wrap their minds around this idea when they come to an understanding and realize how messed up their life is and really that they have violated God's laws, they feel so guilty. Yeah. And salvation is God's answer for that guilt. Yeah. We're so thankful for God's answer. Uh, a book called What the Bible Teaches by F.G. Smith says, its literal meaning is deliverance. Hence, in the spiritual usage, it signifies deliverance from sin. Let the word of God define its meaning. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that's found in Matthew 1 and 21. So legitimately, that is exactly what salvation is. There was a price. Jesus came and paid it for us. He came to deliver us from sin. With that being said, can you tell us a bit about your salvation story? What caused you to, uh, one, want to get saved? And, you know, what steps did that take? Fair enough. Um, well, it's a little background. I grew up in a unchurched home. I remember as a kid going a couple of times, but it was more, if I'll be honest, looking back, it was more of a chance for our parents to have a break oh. from us kids and send us on the Sunday school bus to some church that they'd never been to themselves. Um, my father was raised in a very uh, spiritual home and made a decision to go a different way, to pursue the ways of the world. Um, for all intents and purposes, my parents were extremely loving people, good parents, but they lived in sin. Yeah. And, you know, we would be taught some morals, some right and wrong. But, and I remember times, it's kind of funny looking back. So I grew up in Arizona. We lived in a single wide trailer and monsoon storms would come in and knock out the power. And so there's thunder and lightning and it's pretty scary as a kid. And you're in this little tin can trailer. And then it never fails. That was when my dad decided it was time to teach us about hell. <laughs> right when the storms come. Yeah, and it freaked us out. I mean, I'm, for me personally, I know my brother too. He's a little bit older than I am. But, but it scared me. Yeah. And looking back, I never remember my dad giving an answer for this hell thing. Mm. And I just remember like being scared. And it followed me into you know young adulthood. Um. As a kid, uh, I got exposed to real gospel understanding um, when my aunt came along. She was on her way to a monarch camp meeting. In mm -hmm. the summer, she stopped in Arizona and begged my father to let me go with her. Mm -hmm. And I was agreeable too, so I went with her to monarch. Um, without, I didn't remember much of what they taught anything I had a real bad experience there was some guy kept commenting about how I looked mm -hmm. and was speaking in a very rude way like to be honest I wanted to cuss him out but out of respect for my family yeah and the people that were at church I didn't yeah right uh, so I just walked out of the church well that precipitated a multiple visits uh, up to Oregon next couple of years visiting family up there that was uh, saved and spiritual and living for the Lord. And I remember thinking, wow, these people are a lot different than me. Yeah. And the way that things go on at their home and everything else was vastly different than what went on at my home. Um, 
both of my parents were what would be termed functioning alcoholics, casual drug users. And again, they didn't do, they, they were good parents, mm-hmm. but they, they had addictions, they had yeah. struggles, you know, and they were responsible, went to work and things like that, but they still had something controlling them. Um, so by the time I got to be in high school, we had moved up to Oregon. And when it got to my senior year, I lived with uh, my uncle Steve. Uh, who was pastoring congregation. And I remember because his house was part of the church, right? So I, uh, if I had absolutely nothing to do, then I would go to church. <laughs> so you would try to find something to do probably, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always had something to do. I remember going as a kid when I was up here for the summer. That's what they did. So I'd go to church. And it was cool. I liked some of the songs. Yeah. You know, I had no idea what they were about. But yeah. I like the tune of some of them. And then when it was time for prayer, I'd go to the bathroom and play in the bathroom. And I know you think play, but my Uncle Chuck had bought a scale, one of those ones you stand on and slide the little rectangle. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. So I'd sit there and spend all of prayer time figuring out how much I weighed, uh-huh. if I gained any weight since the last time I was in there. Um, so, you know, and then when it came time for preaching, I, I don't really remember what was said or anything like that wasn't fully paying attention, liked the singing. So when it came to my senior year, like like you said, I would look for things to do. I had a job. I worked a bunch, uh, friends to hang out with and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Sunday mornings were kind of slow mm-hmm. for worldly people. Yeah. <laughs> they usually been out Friday and Saturday night. And, uh, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot going on. If I wasn't working, then I was like, all right, I guess I'll go downstairs and go to church. It's kind of hard to... If people are letting you stay in their house, kind of I'll tell them, no, I'm not going down. Yeah. Well, uh, what ended up happening is over time, you know, I'd read my Bible. I remember uh, I was curious. I'm like, these people keep doing this stuff all the time. What is it all about? And so I'd read the Bible. Yeah. And I remember distinctly um, reading a scripture that talks about, you know, if someone starts living for God and goes back, they're twice the child of hell. And I, was, I remember thinking, I'm at least intellectual. I'm a mathematician. So I'm like, well, once is enough. I ain't trying to double up on this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I never really tried to make a, a start because I knew I had issues. Yeah. Um, I knew that I had a vulgar tongue and would cuss. Mm-hmm. You know? I was able to control it in small doses when I was around certain people. Um, but I didn't have full control over it. And I remember getting to a point where I thought I was okay. It's what I call salvation by association. Yeah. You know, what that is, is you hang around a lot of good, righteous people. So you're good and righteous. So I'm good and righteous. And I'm going to heaven. God's not going to send me. I'm a good person. I'm hanging around good people. Um, (laughs) You know, and I remember being duped by that. And then when I started reading that scripture about twice the child of hell, and then I started being honest, thinking about like, dude, you know how you talk. Yeah. You know how you are when you're not around these people. Don't be fake. Yeah. And that's one thing I've always tried not to be, and that is fake or a hypocrite. Like I try to keep it real all the time. Uh, in fact, I love having people around me that'll keep you real Yeah. and check you from time to time. Because I feel like it's a help. So, long story short, I spent six months trying to quit cussing. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it. 
I remember the best I could do was about a week. And something would happen. And you'd slip up, drop something on your hand, whatever, foot. The word comes out. Then you feel bad. More words come out. Then you're like, oh, man. And after all that happened, I finally realized that there was something controlling me. Like, I honestly wanted to stop. It wasn't for my parents. It wasn't for my grandparents. It wasn't for relatives or anything. It was for me. Yeah. And so it was, uh, I remember distinctly, I was driving my 77 Toyota Celica, mustard yellow. Actually, more canary yellow. And I'd just gotten off work and was getting on the freeway on the 205 at Division headed south. And I remember saying out loud, I said, God, if you'll deliver me from cussing, I'll think about getting saved. Just think about it. I'm not going to, I'll consider it. <laughs> right. But that's a start. That's a start. Right. And I was just, uh, I was noncommittal because I was like, I don't know about all this stuff. I don't know yeah. if this is even real. And I'm naturally a skeptic. Yeah. Right. I couldn't buy the lie of evolution. I mean, like logically, the odds of that are so impossible that I'm like, you have to be a fool, honestly. Well, there's plenty of fools out there that well, believe There that. are, and I, and I don't mean to be disparaging, but I mean, when you look at the mathematical probability, it's yeah. it's zero. Yeah. You know, but we have to make it a possibility because we thought of it, so therefore there is some kind of probability. Yeah. Um, so I'm skeptical, right? And so I just, I'm driving my car. I don't have my eyes closed. I'm not in a closet somewhere. I'm not bent over or anything on my knees. I'm just driving. I'm like, God, if you'll deliver me from cussing, I'll think about getting saved. And, uh, gone. Absolutely gone. Completely broken. It didn't dawn on me until, like, a couple days later that God completely broke that power. Yeah. I mean, there, like, you know, you know how when you're a kid and you're trying, you're doing something wrong, but you try to be good around certain people? And so, like, particularly with cussing, you know, you're like, oh, Nope, I can't say that word. Oh, I can't say that word. These words come into your mind. Mm -hmm. And I cannot... It just so blew my mind that what God had done is that the words didn't even enter my mind. Yeah. Like, something would happen and what the old me and how I'd react would be like, oh, say this, say that, and you know, just without even thinking. Mm -hmm. It's just how I was brought up. It's common language with my grandparents on my mom's side. I mean, they wouldn't even be angry and they'd be like, hey, pass potatoes, will you? Mm-hmm. That was normal conversation. Yeah. So it becomes ingrained. And now I say this simple little prayer. A couple days later, I realize the power of it is broken. Yeah. And it just, it literally blew my mind. I remember sitting there thinking like, there's some real stuff out here. Mm-hmm. There's some things that I haven't seen that I don't know. But I was honest with myself and I knew I had tried over a seven month period to quit and couldn't. And then all of a sudden you say a little prayer and it's broke. Like, doesn't even enter your mind? And I was just like, okay, there's something here. Mm. So I kept my end of the word. I thought about getting (laughs) saved. (laughs) Right? I wasn't willing to make a full-on commitment to it. I think part of it was I was scared. I didn't know what I was getting into. No doubt it's a definite change. Yeah. You know, and now I'm like... Uncharted territories. Well, not only that, but I'm like, I'm going to lose all my fun. 
is what I started thinking. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, I, this, that, the other, and you know, all these different things. I can't do this. I can't do that. I won't be able to do that anymore. And uh, I think what I needed was just some time to actually think about those things. Yeah. And realize that they really weren't that fun anyway. That's the... if, I, if I'm being honest with myself, there were things that I did that I thought were fun. And then there's guilt later. Yeah. You know? And so it was a few months later that I, uh, I uh, graduated high school and moved down to Arizona. And uh, so I was no longer around any church folks or anything like that. And it was when I was down there it's amazing, you know, I was just thinking about it, even as we're talking, it's amazing to me how much our minds, we can trick ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Because I told you, my prayer was, God, if you'll deliver me, I'll think about getting saved. Yeah. But at the same time, I would still slip into these thoughts of like, I'm okay. I'm around, I got family that are saved. These are good people. And I'm not cussing. Right, and I'm not cussing anymore, so I'm all right. And it, so when I was down there, somebody was, uh, you know, I'm old, so... Like cassette tapes in our vehicles back then. Most of our listeners probably don't even know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> they, they're on Spotify or something using their cell phone, which you can't get on cassette tape. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen those phone cases that look like yeah, yeah. cassette tape. But those are generally the old people that have them, though. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm just like, here I am. I'm 18 almost 19 years old. I'm going to college now. I'm at Arizona State University. Uh, I got a very steady girlfriend that we just did a over a year long, long distance relationship. She was in Arizona. I was in Oregon. I mean, this was before cell phone, before internet. I mean, y'all think you got You're a really day. dating yourself. I know. I'm an old man. <laughs> um, you know, but so, but we were able to maintain that. Uh-huh. Um, so now here I am, I'm down in Arizona, and somebody I know was just carrying a burden. And so they, somehow, I started getting cassette tapes mailed to me once a week. Mm-hmm. And they were coming from Guthrie, Oklahoma. My Uncle Chuck was the pastor at that time. And every Sunday, it would be the full service recorded. So it had the singing, then the preaching, and then uh, the ending song, whatever it was. Uh-huh. Sometimes altar call, depending on whatever the message was. Yeah. Well, I drove a long ways to school because I'm cheap. I lived at my mom's house, so I didn't have to pay rent. And then I would drive 36 miles one way to school. Gas was probably only 15 cents anyway. And we walked up the hill both ways in the snow. <laughs> yeah. All right, watch your mouth. Um, but, you know, so I drove a lot. Yeah. And then I would play the cassette tape. And what really hooked me was, it's my uncle. Yeah, I have the utmost respect for this. Even though I might not live like he does, I might not believe necessarily what he does, I have respect for him. I want to hear what he's got to say. Yeah. And so then there were the songs to it. Again, I, I don't know if I remember all the words, but I liked the tune. And it sounded good, you know, so I'd listen to it. And then, you know, you hear the message. And sometimes it would get interrupted because I'd be like, all right, I'm going to get in and go to work. Yeah. When i get out of work, I'd finish listening because cassette tape stays right where you shut it off. <laughs> there is an advantage. Good old days. <laughs> you know? And so I started going through this whole process. And I just started getting, you know, doing a lot of thinking. You're a freshman in college. 
thinking about your future. What's that going to look like? What am I going to be? What am I going to do? What is, you're making a lot of decisions. And I'm a thinker. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, you know, I like to analyze things critically. And I start just thinking about my life. And I remember just feeling so, I don't know, aimless. Like, I knew what I wanted to major in, maybe. But, like, really, the big things. Like, why am I here? What is this about? And those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And then the other thing that always stuck with me, and this goes back to the trailer with the lightning flashing and my dad scaring us about hell and everything else, I was always afraid to die. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest things. I remember when I was in high school, senior year, I'd get ready for bed, and I'm the kind of person I like it pitch black and no sound. Uh-huh. I'm going to sleep. I, I sleep that same way. Do you? <laughs> That's how smart people sleep. Yeah. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> um, but it was a problem when yeah. I was in high school, and I started thinking when I'd lay down in bed, and it finally calmed down. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're done with work, you're done with your homework, you're done with everything. You no more conversations with friends, everything. And I said, it's a quiet time. It's getting ready to go to bed. And I used to hate that because then my mind would settle down. You know, we have the ability to keep ourselves busy with so many different things. And the Lord has a way of helping us to have just those quiet times. And it scares you, mm-hmm. especially when you know you're not right. And I remember in those quiet times being afraid to die. I started thinking about dying in eternity. And I'm like, bro, I, I don't want to think about that. And so I'd turn on the radio. I, you know, when I was younger, I would have a TV on, fall asleep watching TV or a movie, and, and use it, and just something. I'd have noise. I couldn't hear because I didn't want to think about that. Yeah. So now I'm here, I am in college, listening to these cassette tapes and stuff, and that coupled with, I know there were people praying, and then I literally met an angel, if not, I I don't know, I'll be honest, I don't want to sound crazy, (laughs) maybe this dude was crazy, I don't know, it's one of those things, honestly, personally, I'm waiting till eternity to find out, and that is, Arizona State, large campus, there's always bunch of people on college campuses, right? Yeah. And there's weirdos, and there's normal people, and there's everything in between. And I ran into this uh, this hippie, kind of hitchhiker-looking hippie dude. Yeah. And I had a routine. I went in for my early morning class, then I went over to Klein Library, which was a cool library because you could see it here, but to, uh, on the right side, you'd see it above ground, but over here, about 100 yards, you went down some stairs into the ground, mm-hmm. and that was the entrance into the library. Uh-huh. And then you'd have to go way over and take an elevator up, and then you could actually see people outside. Yeah. So hardly anybody went in that library, less that area. So that's where I took my naps. Uh-huh. So I go to my early morning class, I take my nap, and then I go hit my other class. And I remember one morning getting on that elevator, and that hippie dude was on there, and he's like, hey, how's it going? And I just gave him the cliche answer. Oh, um, can't complain. No one listen if I did. <laughs> and he's like, oh, there's one that'll listen. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I know, I know. I just try to shut it down real quick. It's like, I know where you're going, man. You're one of those religious freaks, and I ain't trying to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go to class. Uh, been there, done that, sat in a lot of church. Uh, I ain't trying to hear it. And uh, he was persistent. And he just kept talking to me. And he's walking with me to class. And... Uh, you know, it's just pretty engaging conversation. He starts talking about the Bible and the end time. And 
now it's hitting me where I really am vulnerable. You know, he doesn't know this. Yeah. But I'm like, man, I'm afraid to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about these different things, and he's talking, and it's like, oh man, I just want to say, you shut up. You're like in my head right now. Yeah. And so we walk, we stand outside of class, all my classmates come walking by. He and I are engaged in conversation. We're talking deep stuff, all these different kinds of scriptures and this, that, the other. And next, you know, hour and a half, two hours later, everybody from class is walking out. He and I are still out here engaged in conversation. Mm. Literally felt like a couple of minutes. Yeah. But I know it was an hour and a half at least. So we have this long conversation and, you know, he, and I'll never forget the end of the conversation. He goes, do you believe anything is possible with God? And I'm like, yeah, anything is possible. I mean, I still remember I was delivered from cussing. Yeah. So yeah, anything is possible. If he's God, then he can do whatever he wants. And he, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Yes, I do. I really do. And, uh, he says, do you believe I could, I could possibly be him? And I remember thinking, I just wasted two hours of my time <laughs> With a talking to a nut. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And he just kind of looked at me and he walked away. Never, ever saw him again. Now, the thing is on college campuses, if there's nuts that are kind of living around and show up on the campus, they usually, you'll see them again. Yeah. Never saw the dude again. Like, I, I spent the rest of the semester walking around, sometimes the student union and things like that. Him. Like, where is this guy at? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that was Jesus. Yeah. But I sure want to find out when I get to eternity. Yeah. Like, did you really come down and pay me a visit like that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it, it is possible. But in my mind, intellectually, I'm like, no, Jesus was here. And then he died and resurrected. And he, he appeared to the apostles. But then he's gone. Because I remember reading some of that stuff in the yeah. Bible, and I thought, no, he's gone, and he ain't coming. Yeah. That ain't him. And it's how I rationalized it in my mind. But it wouldn't leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Like, the conversation that he and I had, and the things that he was saying, some of the scripture he quoted, just wouldn't leave me alone. Everywhere I went, it's just in the back of my mind. And when I got quiet, it came to the front of my mind. And um, it was, I don't know, probably a week or two after that, that I got off work and I was just finishing up listening to a sermon my uncle had preached on cassette tape and I have no idea what the sermon is about to this day I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. but I can tell you they it was some kind of altar call because uh-huh. they sang the song Lord I'm coming home at the end and I remember hmm Now I feel like Erwin. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. When the power of the Lord works like that, it, it comes. Yeah. Um, it was October 6, 1994. 11.45 at night, I got home, and that song was playing. And one of the things that it says is, I've tried the road of sin, and I'm tired of it. And that was exactly where I was at when I was being honest with myself and realizing I've been doing things the way I wanted to do, what I thought was right, what I thought felt good, but I wasn't happy. Yeah. I wasn't, there was no peace inside. I was still scared to die. I, you'd feel guilt and different things like that. And so 
I went into the house and knelt at the foot of my bed and gave my heart to the Lord. And I've never looked back since. There's never been a regret. There's never been, I'm done with this. This was fake. It's It's been real. I recognize that God did something yeah. real. Yeah. And so that's where I be. I'll say this to our listeners. Uh, I have known this man since I was a little boy. I remember him coming preaching in my local congregation where I grew up in Fresno. Uh, I've seen him uh, where he lives. I've been many times to services. Uh, Missouri, uh, Pacoima to our state meeting. Uh, We have gone to many different meetings together and I can say that this is not a front. This is not a show. This is for real. Salvation really works and it really brings about a change. And something as what we might view as little as cussing brought about some of this change. You know, I know we might feel that it's okay for us to talk a certain way, but in James, the third chapter in the 10th verse, it says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? It doesn't do it. It can't do it. The same with our tongues. We cannot give blessings and cursings at the same time. So we definitely, I definitely thank the Lord for uh, this salvation story. And I'll briefly ask a few more questions before we wrap this up. Um, Are you a sinner saved by grace? Today? Yes. No, by the Lord's help, there is no more sin. He has taken it away. There was a day and a time when I was a sinner, and there was far more than just cussing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mentioned because that was something important. But <clears throat> no, today, by the Lord's power and the Lord's grace, he has delivered me from that. Yes. Scripture says, he that is born of God doth not sin. When we, uh, I can't think of who it was where Jesus told him, you have to be born again. And he said, well, can a man enter his mother's womb? Well, no, that's not possible, but when we get saved and we come into the Lord's family, we are born again, we are born of God, and we can't sin. As Paul wrote, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, God forbid. We are to quit that business and put it far behind us. Um, What are some of the best results that have come by way of you getting saved, giving your heart to Christ? Well, one of the first things was he took away the fear of death. So you're not afraid to die? Not afraid to die. Obviously, like everybody else, I'm not in a hurry. (laughs) Right? I mean, be honest. There's things we can do and enjoy, but honestly, truly, there is no fear. I know that I've been forgiven. I know that guilt and those things... I might not have been able to name them explicitly, but I knew there were things that separated me and there was no way I was going to heaven. Yeah. Um, you know, which seems kind of rare in this day and age. Everybody thinks everybody goes to heaven. And it's like, that, that's not true. That's so. Um, so, I mean, that was one of the things. There is a tremendous peace that the Lord gives in a multiplicity of uh, situations. I know for me, He helps me, He's helped me develop as a person. You know, sometimes we say, well, that's just our personality. Mm -hmm. And it may be, 
But if we'll be honest and we'll work with the Lord and we recognize where we're where we have deficits in our own personalities, yeah. God will help us in those areas to become better. Yeah. And more like him really is what it's about. It's not becoming better, it's becoming more like him. Yeah. You know, we don't have to fear death because Jesus conquered it when he died and rose again from the dead. He he took away that sting from death and when we do the believer does pass on, we get to be with him. We get yep. to put all this stuff in this life behind us and we get to be with the master. And as I said uh, at the beginning, I am his nephew, so I, uh, I, this next question I'm going to ask, I ask it kind of facetiously because I've been around him, so I definitely know the answer. Uh, can you have fun and be saved? Absolutely. Oh, we don't have to be Stiff boards, boring, have no life. If you're doing that, then you've missed it. Absolutely. That's part of what Jesus said. Not only that I come to give you life, but I come to give it to you more abundantly. And honestly, you have so much more fun being saved because there's no guilt. I think about the scripture that says the blessings of the Lord. He, he, the blessings of the Lord maketh the man rich and addeth with it no sorrow. There's no regret. There's no feeling guilty. You know, people, and I have a lot of family members that live unsaved lives. I'm not intimidated by them. I'm still intimate with them. I know I've got a brother that's in prison. I know depths of sin and things that people do, gambling, womanizing, all these different kinds of things. And then I'm having the conversation with them the day or two or weeks after, and they're pouring out their heart how bad and empty they feel, how guilty they feel. And I'm like, that's not fun. And I think about the things that I do and I don't feel guilty afterwards. And it's not because I've tricked myself or <laughs> done some mind Jedi mind trick on myself. It's because I seek the things that make God happy. Because I recognize how much he loves me. You know, when I, earlier I get all choked up when I start thinking about getting saved and what that night was like. It was because my eyes were finally opened. My yeah. mind was open to realize that somebody actually loved me that much. And it's like, how could you love me that much when I was so rude and contrary and hateful to you? Yeah. And that's why I like that song. It says, his dying love has conquered my poor, rebellious, roving, roving heart. heart. And I'm like, I can identify with that verse. I can too. Uh, because I found it to be true. And when your mind is open to that and alive to that, and you respond, it's so freeing. And so when you say, can you have fun? Of course I can have fun. I've fallen in love. I've had the greatest love of my life. And you have fun together and you enjoy things. Uh, just like I'm happily married. I've been 25 years and I have fun with my wife. We love each other dearly. And it just makes it sweeter. It's not, you know, I'm stuck and she's my ball and chain or I'm her whatever. If that's what it is, you've missed it. Yeah. That's one reason why I love coming up here to the Pacific Northwest <laughs> because salvation is attractive and y'all definitely make it fun. <laughs> and, and that is nothing uh, bad. Salvation is fun. You know, there's a song we sing down in California. Some think this great salvation will stop all their good time. They must not do a thing but sing and pray. We do whatever we want to. We go wherever we please. And that is what we're doing here today. And most of the time, that's 
we're at service when we're singing that song. Mm-hmm. But there are so much, so many things outside of church, so many wholesome, clean things that we can do outside of the four walls of a church building, outside of hearing a message being preached. Those things are fun as well. Those things are good, and we need them. But there's so much out there in this world for we for us to enjoy. You yes. know, being here in Oregon, uh, we can see uh, some of the mountains around here. Uh, Mount uh, Hood, I believe it's mm-hmm. called. There, we saw Mount St. Helens, and you know, I've always loved coming up here. It is enjoyable. So, uh, yes, salvation is fun. There is, uh, well, I mean, think about it. Our intro song says, "Oh, how happy am I?" Right. That that is really the best way. That's if you're not happy in salvation, like you said, it you've missed it. So Absolutely. we definitely thank the Lord that we can have fun in salvation and that He's offering it to not just a certain group of people, but it's extended to everybody, whoever wants. Who's he opens will. up that door for salvation to be uh, obtained for them, and it's not hard. It's no. not hard. It's not something where we're all like little children trying to reach up to the top shelf to get the cookie jar. It's no, not hard to it, reach. It's something that everybody can relate to. Yes. When you found someone that you're interested in, uh, you know, the, the Bible refers to it as a marriage relationship for a reason. And I'm yeah. talking about a true, honest, healthy, pure marriage relationship. And what it is 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 you realize someone loves you so much, your heart just wants to respond with love in return. And if that's not a fun experience, it's because either A, you have not been, your eyes have not been opened, you don't realize it, or B, you have a messed up theology and think it's based upon your action and your duty and your performance. And that's not what makes you acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture teaches that he died for us but we were yet sinners yeah he still had that love for us and you know i've said it one time when i was preaching you can start your salvation experience based upon a lot of different things that'll motivate you to get started fear of hell fear of dying is one guilt and you know there's a lot of different reasons for getting started but at some point it has to transition over to it's a relationship predicated on love yes and if it's not, you won't have fun. Yes. Because you'll see it as a list of do's and don'ts and gotta do's. Yep. Thank the Lord is more than that. Amen. With that being said, you know, salvation is amazing. Salvation is awesome. And again, to quote from F.G. Smith and what the Bible teaches, it is the happy privilege of every guilty soul to receive at this very hour a free and perfect deliverance from all sin. So we hope that this uh, chit-chat about salvation has proven to be beneficial, and we would encourage you, the both of us, uh, as uh, workers for God, as ministers in the gospel, to, if you do not know Christ, there's no better time like right now to get to know Christ. So uh, we implore you to seek out God, and uh, I don't think Uncle Donnie will mind me saying, if you're ever in the Pacific Northwest and you're looking for a church to visit, I would invite you to look up the Church of God Evening Light Saints here in uh, Gladstone or in the Portland, Oregon area, currently in Gladstone. Absolutely. Our website is churchofgodportland.org. 
churchofgodportland.org. They would love to have you. And whatever you can do to, to, to obtain salvation, hey, we'll do our best to help you with that. So thank you again for joining us on this segment of Brother D's God Talk. Thank you, Uncle Donnie, for being a willing to participate in this. And we pray that this will, will prove fruitful. God bless. Deuces.